0: Open our Bibles today to the book of Matthew and the seventh chapter. At a recent meeting, a group of people was asked how they would feel if Jesus were to come personally and physically to their homes. The responses were interesting. One person said, I would fix it up. Somebody else said, I would have to change my priorities if Jesus came to my house. Another, there would be more respect for one another in our family. Someone said, I would be overwhelmed with awe. Another person said, the members of our family would be helpful to each other saying fewer harsh words, having less rivalry. Another person said, it would change the way that I come home from work. Ooh. Another said, I would be self-conscious of my material possessions, and some items in my home would embarrass me. Hmm. I don't know what your answers would be, but they might be similar to these. At least we can all identify with some of the responses given recently. But it would be wonderful for us to understand that the main benefit of such a personal visit of our Lord would be simply the pleasure of his company in our homes. Getting to know him, receiving his counsel, feeling the sense of security with him there. Wouldn't his being there provide a marvelous assurance of protection and stability especially in the crises which all of us face? Is there anything which he would be unable to handle, to work through with us? I'd like for us to read a parable today which teaches us that we can face crises without our lives collapsing. It's found in Matthew 7, beginning in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine said Jesus, and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and burst against that house. Yet it did not fall, for it had been founded upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them Will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and burst against that house. And it fell, and great was its fall. There are three very simple lessons for us to observe in this story which Jesus told as he drew the Sermon on the Mount to its conclusion. The first one is this that life is like a house which we build. You say, how so? The structure of our houses, our lives, is the sum total of all of our relationships, our work, our pleasure, our dreams, our accomplishments, our failures, our influences. You draw the line under all of those and add it up, and that becomes the house in which we are dwelling. That is our life. Our life is like a house, and we're building that house every day that we live. The work of constructing goes on, really, until death. The better we plan, the more order and beauty there will tend to be in this house that we are building as we live daily. A second lesson that I see in the story is this, that storms will inevitably assault us. It is safe to say that every person here is either in a storm this morning or has one on either of the horizons. That is, either you've just gone through one or you're about to go through one. You see, storms assault all of us. That is inevitably so. Now it is true that not all of them may be severe. Some of them may only be drizzles. But some storms will be severe in life. I would identify these as the crises that we face. You say, What is a crisis? Well, I think a crisis could be defined as anything that shakes our security, that threatens our sense of well being. That is a crisis. For someone, it may be the loss of a loved one, for another, it could be an illness that cannot be easily cured. For someone else, it may be the loss of a job. All of us face crises in our lives. We should not make a crisis out of every trouble, because every trouble doesn't deserve that. And really, we need to do what we can to reduce the stress and the tensions in the troubles that we face, so they don't become crises. We should not allow a cloudy day to become a tornado if we can help it. But the fact is that all of us, in the course of our lives, will face some severe times. All people face storms, whether they be good or bad, rich or poor, young or old, Christian or non-Christian. Yes, even, non-Christ- even Christians Have their trials and storms. You see, Christ's presence does not preclude the possibility of a storm, a crisis in one's life. You see, the real question is will my life, or to apply it to our theme for these weeks, will my home stand through the storm that I face? That brings us really to the third thing that we observe in the story that Jesus told. And that is that the most important part of the house is the foundation upon which it is built. That foundation is crucial. I would have you notice that in the story that we read, there are two parts of the parable that uh, have similarities. That is, the two parts of the parable have similarities to them. In the first place, each of the men mentioned built a house. And each of the men mentioned experienced a storm of rains and floods and wind that blew against the house. That's what we've talked about thus far by way of application. But there was an important difference between the two men. The one used a rock as his foundation, The other simply used sand. Now Jesus does not leave us to question and wonder regarding the meaning of that. He tells us clearly, The one who built upon a rock is the one who heard Jesus' words and acted upon them. The one who built upon the sand is the one who also heard Jesus' words but did not act upon them. Now, the application is obvious, it seems to me. We are told here to build our lives, to build our homes, if you please, upon the foundation of obedience to Christ's teachings. We are warned not to build upon a faulty foundation by disobeying or neglecting what Jesus taught. Now, for several weeks, many of us have read scriptures related to crisis, to suffering, and hardship. This morning in our journal, we read about the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ and the crisis he was willing to endure for our sakes as he laid down his life for us. But our text today points to the foundational principle, if you please, It is this, that acting on Christ's teaching prevents collapse under the pressure and stress of the crises which inevitably come to us. Acting upon his teaching is the foundation that lasts. Well, you say, what teaching is that? What teaching is in view when the Lord Jesus says this? Well, obviously we have to go back to the context to determine that. Again, I point out that this is at the end of what is called the Sermon on the Mount. Three chapters in Matthew, when the writer records for us one of the great sermons, the lengthy discourses which Jesus gave. This occurred on the side of a mountain to a great multitude. Jesus is saying, those who hear my teachings and act upon them will build their lives upon a rock. Obviously, the teachings he has most primarily in mind are the teachings that have come just before his giving this parable. It is the teachings in the Sermon on the Mount. I'd like to divide those teachings very simply and somewhat superficially into two parts. First, consider with me this morning his words regarding personal salvation now, it must be quickly pointed out that the Sermon on the Mount is not primarily about personal salvation. But that theme is brought to the surface in Jesus' Sermon. It's found, in fact, in this very chapter, just a few verses before our text. It is not in verse 12 where Jesus says, Therefore, however you want people to treat you, so treat them, for this is the law and the prophets. That's often called the what? What? Sure, the golden rule. And there are people who sincerely think that by keeping the golden rule, they will gain personal salvation. Their idea is, if I'm a nice enough person, and I live and treat others like I expect them to live and treat me, surely that is enough to please God. And though I may do some bad things, when I get to heaven, God's going to say, well, you did pretty good, you tried hard, and you lived according to the golden rule. Come on in. But verse 12 is not about personal salvation. But verse 13, verse 14, they are. Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And many are those who enter by it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life and few, few are those who find it. Jesus points out in this very simple story or actually a parable that there are two gates and two ways. One gate is said to be the wide gate. And it leads to the broad way. The other gate is said to be small, and it opens to the narrow way. Do you notice that? <clears throat> he tells us that most people, many, are those who enter in at the broad gate and walk on that road. And then, in comparison, there are but a few who enter the narrow gate the small gate, and walk the narrow road. And he furthermore tells us that there are two destinations. These roads do not go in the same direction. He says that the broad road leads to destruction. That is the popular way. It leads to ruin. It causes one to perish in the end. But he says the narrow road leads to life. Now what is Jesus saying here? Jesus was warning the religious people of his nation, the Jews. People who sincerely followed the way of the Pharisees. That they were on the broad way, the popular way. It was the way, and still is today, of self-righteousness. The ones who are on the Broadway believe that everything is right with God if, in fact, they can live up to their own standards. These are external standards, not internal. And if they can live up to those standards that they have for themselves, surely God will be pleased. In other words, it is a thought that one can get to heaven by his own works, by doing his own thing. You've heard it said, and so have I. Well, there are many ways that lead to God. That is not true. But there are many ideas, many philosophies, and many religions that all converge on the broad way. They all move in the same direction, but it's not to God, and it's not to life. The writer of Proverbs says there is a way which seems right to a man. That is, it seems logical. It's only reasonable that it must be this way. But he goes on to say, the end thereof are the ways of death. In contrast to the broad way, there is the narrow way and the small gate. Actually, in the Gospel of John, Jesus gives us a good commentary on what that gate is all about. When he says regarding himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. What is that narrow gate? It is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, which causes one to enter into the narrow way. It is sometimes constricting, It is not popular, but in the end it is the way which leads to life. The Lord Jesus really is saying that the one who enters that narrow gate and walks in that way to life is like the wise man who built his house upon a rock. Because you see an application of this concluding parable in verses 24 to 27 is this. That one who builds his life upon the Lord Jesus Christ, personal faith in him, is one whose life will stand. He will be saved. He will enter into heaven. The one who enters the narrow gate that leads to life is like the wise man who built his house upon the rock. I may be talking to someone today who has been very sincere in your religion. You have worked hard at it. You have believed sincerely that by doing good things or going through this ritual or accomplishing these certain religious ideals, that God will ultimately be pleased with you. May I warn you that that is the broad way upon which many walk which does not go where you want it to. The narrow gate is Jesus Christ. The firm foundation, the rock, is Jesus Christ. And I urge you today to place your faith not in yourself or your own works, but in him and in his work for you at the cross, when he died and shed his blood for your sins, and then was raised from the dead three days later. Place your faith in him who will lead you to life and who will provide the firm foundation for the house you're building. There is uh, another important aspect to Jesus' teachings in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says the one who builds upon the rock is the one who hears and who acts upon what Jesus has said. He not only taught regarding personal salvation, but he taught even more broadly in his sermon regarding righteous living. How to live in a way that pleases our King. These principles of the kingdom in chapters 5, 6, and 7 are quite applicable to the child of God today. We need to see what Jesus says in these verses and understand that they can apply to our lives, that we have instruction here those of us who've entered in that small gate, who are walking on that narrow way, the Lord Jesus gives us here instruction as to how to live in such a way that pleases him. The teachings include in this sermon ideas like these. Don't kill, but more than that, don't even be angry with your brother. Jesus said here, don't commit adultery, But more than that, don't even think lustful thoughts. He said, love your neighbor, but more than that, love your enemy also. His teachings include, don't lay up treasures for yourselves here on earth, but do start laying up treasures in heaven where thieves don't steal and moths and rust don't do their damage. In this sermon he says to us, don't try to serve two masters, God and mammon. Realize you can serve but one of them. He says, don't be worried about what you're going to eat or wear, but seek first Christ's kingdom and then expect God to provide these things for you. His teachings include, don't concentrate on the speck in your brother's eye, but do look after the beam in your own. He says, don't expect to find good produce on bad vines or trees, but do be concerned that your life bears good fruit, and so on. Those are some of Jesus' teachings regarding righteous living in this chapter. For every one of these challenges and teachings which Jesus makes, we need to ask ourselves some questions. Do I tend to stay angry at my brother? Do I insult him, calling him a fool? Do I bring an offering to the Lord without first reconciling a relationship with someone? Do I think and dwell upon lustful thoughts? Do I consider initiating divorce proceedings against my mate? Do I keep my word? Do I help those in need? What is the real fruit of my life? Jesus says, those who hear my words and act upon them, those are the ones who build on a rock. Hearing and agreeing with what Jesus says is insufficient. Hearing this sermon and admiring his words is not enough. Hearing what Jesus says and even quoting them will not make it, folks. What Jesus says is, listen to my words and act upon them. Now, none of us can claim to live perfectly up to Jesus' teachings here. Indeed, we all fall far short of them. We do. But you know what? We can choose at least one area where we're falling short and begin focusing upon that area. Where, and in that area, by the grace of God, we will begin acting upon what Jesus has said. When we do that, Then we will build a life that will stand the storms. When we begin to act upon what Jesus said, it will be insurance against the storms of life that are sure to come. So when the tempest hits, your control of anger, your ability to hold your tongue your strong friendships, your loving partner's help, your good good marriage ties, your honesty, your generous spirit, or any of the other character qualities that are taught in this sermon, these will likely serve you very well. Now, do you see the point of Jesus' teaching? He said, if you hear my words and act upon them, then the life that you're building because of the character that's there, will stand the storms. You will endure through the storms of life. I may be talking to someone who today is in a storm, and you're wondering if your house is going to stand. Well, my friend, it depends upon the foundation upon which you've built. I may be talking to someone who says, my house has collapsed and I don't know what to do. Well, the answer is to find the right foundation and start building again on it so that when the next storm comes, your house won't fall. The foundation of life is Jesus Christ and his teaching. I want to ask you, if you today... Will receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you will enter in at that narrow gate and way that leads to life, which few find, will you be one of the few? One of the few? And if you are on that narrow way today, Will you today begin obeying him as Lord in that area of your life where you feel such a failure? Where there has been such a struggle? Where sin has come at you with all of its fierceness? Will you today acknowledge your failure to the Lord and say, Lord, today I want to begin to build upon a foundation that will last in this area of my life. I acknowledge your Lordship and by your grace I will begin obeying you in that area of my life. You can endure the storms of life by claiming Jesus Christ as your Savior and by living with Him as your Lord. George Beverly Shea sings a song that I like a great deal. The chorus of it simply says this, He's the Christ of every crisis. And he's just the same today. He will solve your every problem if you only let him have his way. Let's pray together. My friend, what is Jesus' way? What is it that he wants you to do today? He will solve your every problem. if you'll let him have his way. What is the storm that is assaulting your life? What's your foundation? Will you today make that decision that is essential if your house is going to stand? Lord Jesus, thank you for your words. Thank you for the assurance that we can endure through the storms of life. There are some very wonderful and dear people here who are experiencing right now a storm and a tempest that threatens them. The crisis is so very real that they feel almost overwhelmed. I pray that you will give to each of those ones whom you love the courage and the grace and the faith to respond right now as they should. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I wonder if there's someone here who would say, Pastor Call, I know that I need to enter into that small gate and narrow way. I've stood outside the gate, I've thought about it, I've looked at it, I've examined it, but I've never entered in that gate. I wonder if you by the uplifted hand would say right now, I am today receiving Jesus Christ as my savior. I have not done this before, but today I am making that decision I know the Spirit of God is telling me in my heart that today I need to trust Him in a way that I've never done it before. I need Him as my Savior. Will you lift your hand and put it down? Now, the lifting of the hand isn't going to save you, but what I'm asking you to do is to indicate the attitude of your heart. That's what saves. Right now, just lift it up and put it down. Is there one? I don't want to miss your hand, so leave it up long enough for me to see it. Is there one who would say, Today I will enter that narrow gate and walk on the narrow way. I wonder if there's some Christian here who would say, Pastor Call, I am under the storm. It is beating over my head, and today I'm confused. Or you may say, Today I'm frightened, I'm uncertain. I wish you'd pray for me. Would you lift your hand and put it down? God knows your storm. Yes, many hands. God knows your storm, child of his. Remember the foundation you're building on. Heavenly Father, I pray for these who have lifted their hands. I thank you that you have perfect knowledge of the circumstances in each of the storms, and that the storm is not purposed to overwhelm, but it's purposed for good. I pray that you will bring that confidence and faith to each one. And I pray that as the storm passes by, That each one will be be able to look up to you and give thanks to you for what they have learned during this experience. But in the meantime, give faith and courage to stand the test because you're with them and you're their foundation. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like us to open our hymnals and sing in closing number 344. Which says, is there a heart or bound by sorrow? Is there a life weighed down by care? Maybe that's the crisis you're going through. But well, we're invited in the hymn, all your anxiety, bring it to the mercy seat, leave it there. If we can pray with you or help you today, it may be that you need someone to touch base with, or you have some questions that you'd like to ask. We're going to have an invitation this morning that's public, and we invite you to slip out from wherever you are and come. If today the Spirit of God is urging you to do that, or there may be some decision that you need to make public this morning in your walk with Christ, let's stand together as we sing 344. I'll be standing here at the front and waiting on you.